Hello. Welcome to Object Worship. I'm your host, Dan Pihacek. Uh, by day, I'm a pedal designer. I'm joined today by your host, Andy Othling, who is by day Hello. a pedal enjoyer. Every day. And um, we're going to talk about an object today. Basically, the idea of this podcast, if you're a first timer, which uh, is convenient. All of we everyone are is. This is right this now. first time for everybody here. If you're a first timer, um, I don't know. We're going we're gonna to just try to get to know a friend of ours by talking about an object that has been formative in their uh, creative output, let's say. Uh, guests could be any number of, of creative person. And um, basically, we just want to share a little reverence for the tangible and uh, the way that it affects our intangibles. Maybe a little irreverence and, here um, and there, yeah, though, huh? Maybe? Honestly, we're, we're probably going to goof off. Like, we're probably going to be... It's gonna be it's gonna be goofs, uh, spoofs, and a little bit of and um, some gaffs, probably a, a, a word for a serious thing that rhymes with goofs and spoofs. Uh, um, truths, goofs, truth. goofs, and oh, truths. That's right there. It's wow. so great. Okay, but uh, this is episode like one. Barking in the background. If you so here, here I was gonna say, no, however bad this episode is, it's only gonna get better. This will be our it's, worst one by far. I like to and, think we're going to knock it out of the park and then it'll be mm, sophomore slump. No, I don't think that's how it I works. like the early no. days of... <laughs> this one's going to be terrible, and then it's only going to get good from here. But also, like, hey, like can we talk about the theme song a little bit, huh? That theme is so good. Credit to <laughs> Andy for the theme song. I have heard it many times. I, I have can't too, stop too many times. <laughs> I kept asking. I was like, is this too much, guys? And they were like, no. It sounds good. <laughs> okay. We... Uh, for the listener, we 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 see our we see everyone on video right now, um, but I believe we're just going to be publishing the audio. But uh, if you could see the video, it's just me with that silent laughter face the entire time throughout, <laughs> like that thirty second intro of me just trying not to audibly laugh. It's good. It's good. It's, I had I had fun. Yeah, it's it's it's. There's a lot of twists and turns, and there was a lot of um, Andy. This is perfect, and then you would come back with, "Oh, I added another layer." I made something more <laughs> insane. Got, yeah, it got perf- perfecter all the time. Kind of like this podcast will, you know. Exactly. We're gonna start it. We're gonna start at great and only go greater. I, I want to say greatest. too, but before we move forward, forward is that uh, Seth is here, both in spirit and actually here as our producer, and can chime in whenever he wants. Yeah. Hello. There he is. Wow. There he is. There he is. Uh, I'm here. A man, a few words. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's let's get right into it, Andy. We have we have a voicemail line. Uh, mm-hmm. f- uh, if people want to dial in, the number is five zero five odd hogs. Odd hogs. Uh, which uh, one of these days I'll remember what the numbers are. But uh, it's five zero five odd hogs. No, I remember how because of the stupid joke I made on the throwaway episode. But it was six three three. Four six four seven. That's what it is. Six three three four six four, four, six, seven. four seven. Uh You can leave us a question, comment, concern. We don't know uh, exactly a series of notes. You know what we're gonna do with it yet. But and also it's funny because we haven't released an episode yet, so people don't know what the hell it's there for. So yeah, if uh, just for just for a, a little little insider tip, um, 
the Old Blood Discord uh, is the only place that knows currently about the the hog line, as we're calling it. Yeah. Um, and so all the messages we have right now are just from people that are in the Old Blood Noise Discord. Um, so make your way and, there if you want some some early info on what we're up to as a company. Seth, I, I believe we have a sound that designates the, the voicemail segment. Maybe we could go ahead and play that. Yes. Okay. There it is. Great. Andy, so, what do you what do you have for us? Well, today? here's I'm uh, here's uh, here's the first thing. <laughs> Given the fact that no one knows what the heck this is yet, this is <laughs> this is most of what's in the voicemail inbox right now. I'll just play this. Hmm? <laughs> and that's the whole thing. <laughs> is that like there were a lot of people who thought. Uh, who didn't realize it started recording, so it said, hello, 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 from Dan, and then they were like, uh, what, hello? Like, a lot of people just saying hello, so. Uh, All right, well, yeah, so for listeners, keep sending us a variety of send things. Us, and- send us riffs if you want. You don't need to say anything. Just chuck your phone in front of your amp or the, yeah, your speaker did, of some we kind. We did an, an episode zero last week uh, where we had a voicemail from a friend of the pod, Andy Pitcher, and uh, yep. it was just a series of notes, and it was really lovely. Um, and then I believe he said, just thought I'd leave you some some notes, or just thought I'd leave yeah. you a note. There was a nice little pun on it. So um, just, uh, nice. just give us little gifts for our voicemail line. And uh, as we record more episodes, maybe you'll have a better sense of what we're going to be talking about. And, maybe, uh, we'll maybe we'll we can answer some questions. Maybe we we're talking about. Yeah. If you will. All right. I think we should get into it. We do have a guest today. Our guest is Tom Majeski. You may know him from his days as Cooper Effects, uh, named after the lovely dog Cooper, absolute national treasure. Yeah. And uh, his current day is working for Chase Bliss. Uh, you may know the the Gen Loss Mark II, uh, the recently announced Mood Mark II. Um, Tom is just a DSP wizard, and we're happy to have him today. So welcome, Thank Tom. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Pumped to be here. But we don't clap on here, do we? Okay. I don't. I don't know if we know. If we I should, that not, should be a uh, soundboard thing I do. Yeah, All that's right. a good point. I'm yeah. writing that down. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tom, uh, I think it'd be fun to just get right into it, because uh, if the idea of the podcast is we want to get to know uh, somebody a little better or somebody for the first time through an object that has been important to them, maybe we just dive in. So what, what object did you want to talk about yeah, today? Yeah, um, when you asked me that question, it was pretty obvious what I had to choose just because this was so pivotal and like my journey is, you know, an electronics person, but the chaos pad two uh, by cord was really, really important to me um, and led me down this path that I'm still on right now. That's incredible. The path of like- making version twos of things. So you like, you like the version <laughs> two. So you're like, Oh man, I'd love to get on board with well, Joel and just make, make these version twos. That's what I love. I didn't even put that but yeah the chaos pad 2 was was the one for me yeah that was one of the questions i was going to have because i um you know you told me it was going to be the chaos pad and so i thought you know that's that's something that that i've seen around before but i've never really interacted with i didn't know much about so just just a bit of like cursory you know all right what what is the chaos pad and i saw that there's like there's the one the two the three and then i think the three plus now but it seems like different players have their different preferences so i was curious what what version you landed you know, on so truthfully uh, i fell off after I like three i think so i don't i don't know what's going on in the chaos pad world anymore but the third one was pretty cool um yeah i think 
three plus was in like 2013 or so. Like it was, you know, through the early 2000s, they versioned a few times and then they didn't do it for a long time from, from what I can tell. So maybe we can back up a little bit. Like what I I'm aware of the chaos pad too. I I mean, as aware as a muse fan can be like, Oh, there was one on Matt Bellamy's guitar. Um, but I don't even know, like it's not a, it's not a guitar effect though. Right. That's like, you're not, are you even using uh, instrument cables on it? Like, it was kind of out of my realm because it's a non-guitar processing thing or instrument, right? I don't even know much about it. Yeah, I mean, truthfully, the only reason I know it is um, because of Muse. I know that's extremely cool, I think, yeah. to say, but, you know, teenage <laughs> Tom was obsessed with Muse. Um, and yeah. yeah, seeing him, like, have a touchscreen on his guitar was like, oh my god, what? Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. we might we might look at it as like, ah, it's lame, it's muse or whatever, but like, it's actually, it's cool. The thing is like, I think built into your guitar where you can just put your hand on it and make like filter sweeps and synthy noises, like that's, it's cool. It's, it, it is it is eye-opening as a, especially as a young guitar player. I'm kind of making the assumption here that you're processing guitar through it, but I don't actually really know what, uh, what instruments you, you um, like to use. Yeah, you're right. I, I mostly just play guitar, if you can call it that anymore. I just, you know. I'm a note all day through <laughs> yeah. the pedal. But to answer your question, Andy, basically the chaos pad is like, uh, I don't know what the application is typically for. I think just like people with tabletop setups and whatever that consists of runs through a chaos pad. But um, yeah, you can work a guitar into there somehow. It's also it's also like a cool MIDI controller. Like it's a pretty unique take on a MIDI controller having like okay. an XY axis. Um, so what like would you would you MIDI control like another pedal to do or, or but there's sound inside the unit itself that it oh, makes, yeah. right? Yeah, so you can um so oh god, it's been so long since I played with it, but there are like, you know, X number of effects and then there are a couple synths that like the pitch and uh some other parameter change as you move along the touchpad. Um yeah, it's pretty cool. Just like having having the ability to like smoothly morph two parameters at, with one touch on a touch screen is always very fun. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems it seemed interesting to me because I, I've never actually interacted with one. But when I think X and Y, like my brain kind of immediately imagines a joystick, you know. So it's so something that you can move in the up, down, and left, right directions at the same time. Yeah. But with the Chaos Pad, um, because it's that touch screen, you see examples where people do like. Put a, put a finger on it and then move that along X and Y axes to, to change a couple parameters at once. And I think even in some cases, it's like more, you know, the X axis controls two or three things and then the Y axis control, you know, it can be pretty deep. But you can also sort of snap to positions in that way. So instead of like a joystick, you have to linearly move it from where it is to where you want it to go. But it seems like on the chaos pad, you can actually kind of like tap at a spot and it'll snap there and then you move from there. Um, if I was understanding the videos I was looking at correctly, it seems like a, a pretty deep device. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's been it's been a minute since I played with one. I'm kind of wanting to buy one now. But yeah, we were in that like era of like the early early 2000s where touchscreens were just so cool. So I feel like they were just magnetic. <laughs> um, yeah, including guitar. It's interesting that like for I think for for a lot of guitar players like. I mean, I like knobs, you know, I'm not as fan as much of a fan of like a screen that I have to interact with, but I think there's a simplicity to the chaos pad of just like 
the screen is it's just x and y you know you're not making menu selections or anything like that yeah. it's just a, d a different just way input. of tangibly controlling yeah do you well, do you when you think of the chaos pad can you remember like the feeling of like is it a light touch do you have to press in is it a like what like how <laughs> This or is, is it like clunky as hell for for anybody that's actually played one? They're like, who cares? But I'm like, oh, describe the feeling for someone that's never touched it. Yeah, no, pad. it's like you know how like an like a phone, like an iPhone or something that's like it feels like a single surface. You know, you're touching something and mm -hmm. it just feels solid. This was like it was like a membrane over another screen, if I remember correctly, and like you press the membrane down and made contact with something below. So it was kind of a weird feeling technically. Mm. Okay. But I think that was just where the technology was at the time. I don't remember if the Chaos Pad 3 was yeah, like it, that, but the 2 definitely was. Don't get me started on the 1. Yeah. <laughs> what, how were you using... Well, okay, so were you... Did you start with the 1 and then move to 2 and you're like, oh, 2 is the best? And then like, what... What? How were you using it? It was like guitar in and then out or is it just its own synth out mixed with guitar sounds or i was, was just it? copying matt bellamy and everything he like, <laughs> so the one mm -hmm. doesn't have did you have it on your guitar oh we'll get there the one uh okay <laughs> the one Sick. didn't have like all these cool drone synth things that he did a lot um i can't remember what mm -hmm. songs it was but like plug-in baby and stuff no. right where he, do, he just kind of makes noise. That was a fuzz factory. Oh, yeah. shit. You're right. There was, right. I feel like I, I came across a video of, I want to say Supermassive Black Hole, or but basically there was like an intro that he did that honestly sounded like DJ scratching yeah. type stuff where it was just like fil filter synth sweep. So cool. Like you got a whole studio like cheering yeah. you on just as you're touching the stupid touch screen in your guitar. <laughs> that feels like exact like yeah right after you watch the matrix and you pick up your guitar you're like this is what i want to do after <laughs> seeing that for the yeah, first so time at 14 or 15 i was like yeah i want that life then i realized i'm just like painfully introverted mm -hmm. so yeah <laughs> um but yeah so what i what i ended up doing was like uh for a little while, when I was like 14 or 50, I, I ended up selling like guitars with chaos pads built into them. Um, and like that process, that you, you made them. Yeah. Yeah. So like that process taught me, like, wow. you know, the first couple of things I learned about electronics, like I remember posting uh -huh. on this forum, like I didn't know about wire. This is how stupid I was. Like, I was like, if I want to mod this and put this screen in my guitar, is the wire going to like come inside the chaos pad already? Or do I have to find that somewhere else? And it was just like, <laughs> I remember those innocent questions of like early electronics. And I was, it's just, you know, you start off knowing nothing or even less than nothing, which is the case with me. You can figure it out. You just take an interest in it. How how old were you at this time? Is this like high school? Yeah, it was like it or was after. I think freshman or sophomore of high school. Dang. I love those those formative moments where where you get to ask the dumb questions because you just you just truly don't know. Like it's how are you know? I, I love that concept of like not even really understanding wiring because it's yeah because that that it, it's such an important elementary concept of like well how does sound get somewhere? We yeah. have to connect it. Well, okay, then how do you connect it? And there's all these different types of connectors and there's like pure wiring and stuff. And it just, 
And by I that mean, point, that, you're either like, all right, I'm out. I hate this. <laughs> or, or, or you're like, oh, I need to figure this out. Yeah. Like, or you start, were you like routing out the guitars to mount stuff in or just kind of like mounting it on oh, top yeah. of guitars? Oh, yeah. Wood, wood chips were flying. <laughs> That's amazing. It's such a combination of early. It's like, you know, the both the manufacturing, like woodworking side of it and the figuring out the wiring and everything. And I, I, yeah, I just love picturing like a 14, 15 year old kid that in like, that makes the commitment to you know that sees sees the guy on this on the stage in the stadium with everyone just cheering wildly and says and like actually manages to then not only fit one into a guitar himself but also make and sell those as as a teenager that's i was definitely not yeah, there as a teenager. i think i only sold I was learning open yeah. tunings and was like, this is the best thing that this is the only thing anybody ever needs. <laughs> I only sold like two or three of them, but I would love to know if they're still kicking out there. Probably not a shot in, in any universe, but what was the like rest of the guitar? Like aside from the chaos pad, like what, um, kind of pickups or like what style? The first one I did was like the cheapest guitar I could find with a big area underneath the bridge. And I think it was like a hundred dollar court guitar. Yeah. Um, and then as okay. I got a little more confident, I think I moved up to like an Epiphone. Um, I think it was mostly like hundred dollar courts, though. Which, ironically enough, now Court is manufacturing <laughs> Man Man Manson guitars with chaos pads in them. So I don't want to say. Oh, really? Amazing. I'm pretty sure it's for it. We <laughs> gotta, yeah, someone fact check me on that. Yeah, actually, I, I came across that same thing when I was looking up chaos pad stuff. I saw a, a, a court map LME signature or Manson. Yeah, so some sort of relationship. It there. does look it's, sick. I'm looking at it right oh, here. It's, I don't it's know. It's, it's weird for me to think like uh, I've always kind of had a DIY attitude, but it's weird for me to think if that guitar existed. I probably just would have asked for it for like Christmas one year or something, or like a birthday. You know, and right. I never would have figured out electronics, and then. Who knows what I'd be doing? It's a weird. It's a weird yeah, that, I think that that moment is so so important in a lot of like players and and engineers' lives. Is that that question of how do I do this myself? How do I you know I, I've seen the thing happen, but how can I pull it off myself? And you start to understand the inner workings of the thing, and that it really changes things versus just having it available as a signature mm -hmm. thing you know there's there's something to be said for easy access but i love those that moment along the way where there's no longer easy access and you have to you have to go to a forum and say does the wire is the wire already in there or you have to risk being <laughs> eviscerated by some uh, old man who's just angry and be like you don't know how wires work like you idiot just read the just like, yes, sir i just try to learn about it yeah i'm curious um so I, like in looking at the chaos pack, cause I, I always picture Matt Bellamy as well. That's, you know, it's like, yeah, it's the, the guy with it built into his guitar, but then you come the across tiny man playing these big <laughs> guitars. <laughs> you come across like Johnny Greenwood mm. using it in a radio headset where he's processing Tom York's vocals on everything in its right place. And it's, he's, he's like knelt kneeling on the ground over, over a chaos pad. And that's what he's doing throughout the whole set. Or like came across a Nels Klein video where I guess he uses it on the, I want to say the Echoplex setting. Basically, he uses it as just a delay that's like 
on a tabletop off to the side that he can just kind of grab and, and move a finger across for quick sweeps mm. of like time shifts and feedback swells and things like that. So there's a lot of different like ways to interact with it. When you like first brought it, and I forgot, did you start with the KP1 or did you start with the KP2 and then kind of explore the others? But the, the, the important part of the question, I'm getting just dis distracting myself here. Basically, you go to the store Dan's and you get the chaos out, pad. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you go to the store, you get the chaos pad, you come home, and like, what's the first experience of it? Um, well, we got it back up first because they weren't in stores anymore. So the way you got them at the time was on eBay and like just countless bidding wars of losing out. So oh, it's wow. just devastating. Like, eBay in that time was ruthless too because they didn't have the like auto bidding or like you get yeah, sniped sniping. too, like right at the end uh, all the time. Uh, yeah, so I remember just trying to get my hands on it, didn't matter what I got, just a one or a two. Um, but yeah, the first thing I did was just like you know, plug it in and just go through all the sounds and just see what it does. And that's still what I do with pedals when I get them. Like, I don't really like the first moment with every new thing is just like running through it as quickly as I can to hear as much as I can. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't specifically remember the first experience with the chaos pad, but that's really kind of how every experience with it went. Just like seeing how many cool sounds I could get out of it in the quickest time possible. And it was a lot. Yeah. Yeah, because it is it's kind of a preset based thing, right? You know, it's like you're you're moving through sounds that mm -hmm. they have built in and just seeing what the XY touchpad interaction does to those things. Yeah, exactly. Was this the first Which, device where you were like, uh, I need to open this up and see how it works? Or were there other ones that kind of started your tinkering journey? Because like a lot of kind of like I mentioned earlier, a lot of people I like even I've had interest like, oh, circuit bending sounds cool. But as soon as it's like, oh, get your soldering iron out, I'm just like, all right, I'm out. Like, I don't care. But you clearly had that extra like, oh, no, I just I'm going down this rabbit hole. Like, I'm curious if this was the first device like that or if there was other ones for you that you tinkered with. Yeah, I'm trying to think back. Um, I think at that time I only had. Oh, totally. Yeah, I had a DS1 that um, I definitely yeah. circuit bent as well. Um, but I really didn't have that many things at that time. Like I think DS one, I got, you know, like everyone else's first pedal, the $29 DS one yeah. or whatever it was at the time. Yeah. Classic modding platform yeah. too. Yeah. 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 The synth mod is what they were all called just cause like it made a drone when you connected two. Mm. <laughs> but yeah. Nice. Um, so there's the DS one and I, I bet, I bet the chaos pad was two. If I'm remembering okay. correctly. And I remember it like opening it up and like there was like some instruction tutorial on a Muse forum saying how to mod this thing. And like there was one step, they were like, this part is really tricky because the connector is really fragile. And of course I broke the connector. You know, like desoldering, <laughs> I just melted it like my first time soldering ever. And I melted it. And like I had to like scavenge through the Korg uh, service. Um, service manual to find where I could find this part and it was impossible to track down but somehow I did um, at the time just from some, from some random online course. That was probably preparing you for the pedal business too is just trying to source parts that are hard to find. 
I, I assume there's a lot of that going. Maybe not for you anymore, but probably. I guess so. Like, this was this was way way old school. <laughs> where you had to like talk to a, like a cord authorized vendor phone and like, mm. get this. Mm. You know, it was like this big. It was like the size of a grain of rice. And then, then you end up paying like forty dollars <laughs> plus shipping. It was. It's more than a DS one. Almost two. <laughs> yeah. What, what, like around what year would this have been? I would say that was like 2007, I would guess. Okay. Yeah. Just as we, as we talk about, you know, sort of early internet or like times when you had to just call the company, it's, it's interesting to, to, to put ourselves in that headspace. Like 2007, it doesn't sound that long ago, but also that was was still kind of the wild west. Like, yeah. Like you might find some forums and some old heads who are talking about some stuff that you can like not really trust it probably. You're you're getting guitar tabs from Ultimate Guitar that like half of it's wrong, you know? Yeah. I heard that yeah. place is you gotta pay now for all that stuff. Like all the tabs are locked down under paywalls. It made me sad. Huh. Everyone needs to experience going on there and trying to play something like this is totally wrong. Like, it's kinda <laughs> close, but you got it totally wrong. Everyone should what do about- that. What about printing Sorry. a tab from uh, Ultimate Guitar and it prints out like so wrong? That's not the right yeah, the- line. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're in like Times New Roman instead of instead of Courier or whatever. <laughs> like I don't. This chord doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Oh yeah. Really. Anyway, just a, that's a little nostalgia. My first yeah, time seeing a bar chord on Ultimate back. Guitar, seeing six fingers being played, is like what the hell. No way. How how could you possibly? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You're like two-handing the guitar and then trying to figure out how to pick the chord. I didn't expect to get so nostalgic (laughs) on this, but man, I'm flying back there. I mean, talking about 2007, sheesh. I think think that's part of it is I'm I'm trying to like find those moments. And, you know, some people might come on and want to talk about something that's very new that they like just found that is like it feels like it's going to be revolutionary to to their thing but i think a lot of times i want to get back to not not necessarily the first pedal you got you know because like the ds1 you know it's it's cool it's fun you circuit bent it but the first pedal or the first like thing that really shaped your thinking in a way that you can still see now and so that yeah that naturally like suddenly you're thinking about not just your early interactions with the chaos pad but like everything that that's informed it's interesting to to go back to to those times and i i guess i would be curious also to uh can you think of uh obviously the chaos pad kind of kicked off your journey but have there been any moments in more recent times where you kind of think of an element of the chaos pad in a direct way or is it all just kind of an indirect influence at this point yeah at this point i think it's it's so far you know in the past that's that's just like that was like baby Tom, you know, first electronics. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's not so much like that there's direct applications, but I mean, just, I, I feel like I've, um, you know, spit out a couple of things just now that like Andy said, oh yeah, that probably helped you in this career, in this job or like, there are just countless ways that this one little silly device is, you know, informed my future and like, yeah. Well, I was going to, I don't I don't even know how to phrase the question really, but you mentioned earlier that like uh you felt like the pedal was maybe a little extroverted for you or like it, it was a little 
like you're you're more of an introverted guy, and then the pedal or the 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 unit itself seems like I don't know. You watch Matt playing, you're like that is not an introverted thing happening. <laughs> you're up there <laughs> shredding on a riff and this bright screen, and you're like making sure to show everyone, look, I'm moving my finger and it's doing this. Like it's very like, look at me. Like I I wonder if there's anything to talk about with like, uh, I don't know, your personality and like, oh, I'm I'm creating these devices rather than perform i mean performance is always something we all do but the fact that you went down the creator path and i don't know does it relate to the introversion and extroversion dichotomy in any way or creating uh technically versus other ways totally yeah no that's an interesting question um i was more thinking of it like uh it was funny that me as a 14 year old who didn't know himself at all was like oh yeah that's what i want to do be up on a touching this Mm -hmm. screen but yeah like Mm -hmm. you were saying just you know, either going down the path of a performer, which I've never felt comfortable doing and I've never really done versus the, you know, path of a designer or creator. Um, I'm glad I found that other path because, you know, I always knew I wanted to be involved in music somehow, but um, just very clearly wasn't meant to be a performer. And so it's cool that I guess this opened up the right path for me. It's an incredible like space to, to find ourselves in where it's like I do, I do still love performing and I still get to occasionally and like record and things like that but it's like yeah the the day job the, the stable thing is being able to like create devices that can inspire others creatively and be to be on that other side of it and to know that like even if if we're not performing we're helping others perform and be inspired to create new things and it's this it's this interesting yeah. like you nobody's like applauding you, <laughs> but you, there's so much positive feedback, uh, that it just feels like this, like feedback loop of when you hear a musician that, that is making great stuff and you find out that they, that part of how they made that is, is a device you were involved in the creation of it, uh, really feeds back in a positive way. No pun intended, huh? <laughs> hey, speaking of that synth mod. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> now I'm just I'm thinking about like different types of performance and creation and everything too because it, it's a, I'm, basically I'm thinking about on the introvert to extrovert, um, you know, x y axis or whatever. You've got you've got your Matt Bellamy's, but then I keep picturing that you know the Johnny Greenwood like kneeling over the chaos pad, literally yeah. processing someone else's voice. So he is up on that huge stage and it's it is putting on a performance. You know the way he's like moving with it, um, but is in a very literal way, using someone else's voice to, uh, (laughs) to, to manipulate and, and create something new. Hmm. I'm thinking about the, I came across, I guess, Brian Eno was a big fan of the KP2. Um, and apparently we'd like run them in series and just like have them set up in the studio, uh, ready to just like process things in surprising ways. And there was an article, it was, it was from Korg magazine, it was like 2003 or something like that, where he, talked about um and so you know it was very korg heavy they're like we're here in the studio with brian eno brian what korg stuff do you use (laughs) (laughs) but he talked about the chaos pad as uh he was talking about like the computerization of music and 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 all these things and drew a parallel between the the chaos pad and um basically the idea of musical performance so when when you see someone playing a guitar and they're literally moving with the music. So it's like, it's about the like muscular system being involved in the creation of music versus someone who's like cutting and pasting samples on a computer that there's not that like same 
muscular element to it. And so he was saying that like he loves that the way the chaos pad is a representation of, you know, newer digital technologies, but that it almost feels more like he said that in the DJ world, it felt like at the time they were developing technologies that helped you maintain those like muscular attachments to it. Mm, that the chaos yeah. pad felt like that where you could um, manipulate a signal in a very physical way that felt like you were uh, participating in the music in a different way than just manipulating a sound on the computer. Um, so it's just, just an, an interesting and way this, of, of thinking Brian about the way Eno that guy, sounds like he knows what's up. <laughs> like yeah. I wonder, stuff. I wonder if he's got any music or like anything he's been involved in that we could listen he to. He should I'll make some to, content. Follow up on that. I think. Yeah. <laughs> this guy sounds ripe for content. <laughs> he's always making some wise uh, comment about technology and music, isn't he? I know. And we're all just like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We got <laughs> the musculoskeletal system. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, we got it. What are what are his uh, oblique? Oh, oh, another oblique uh, strategy. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, Brian. We got to Thanks for opening my mind again. We should have yeah. some sort of AI to generate Brian Eno quotes about technology. See what comes up. Yeah, <laughs> I'm on it. Ready. <laughs> We'll, we'll just create a website that's like, this was from Boss Magazine 2005, but it's just an AI generated. <laughs> 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 OpenAI.com? I'm going there right now. System. <laughs> I am I'm curious now, just to fast forward to like where you're at today. Um, you know, obviously we're talking about the Chaos Pad as a formative thing, but um, we're also interested in like, what people's creative process is like, you know, today as we sit. So, um, the, I mean, you're, you're engineering by day. Do you find that you, you still play a lot of guitar and interact with a lot of different things, uh, as a musician, or do you find yourself more engaged as an engineer and creator in those ways? I don't, I don't find myself ever playing music, which sounds terrible, but I think that's, uh, that's okay for who I am. Like, I feel like I always played music just Cause that's what you're supposed to do through pedals. And like, really all I like doing is just like seeing what it sounds like, you know? So I'm fine with the the musical output that I have, which is zero. Um, and just what I do by day, it scratches that itch for me. Yeah. I think there's a value in chasing the texture as, um, as an end goal, mm -hmm. you know, the, the people talk about, ah, you know, bedroom players, they're not out on stage. And it's like, sometimes I just want to, hear what an overdrive does i don't even care what i'm playing through it i just want to hear its textures and how they can like like that that becomes an end goal is like what is the sound yeah. of the thing wow yeah i've never heard that sound before. yeah we like hearing things yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm curious like i guess uh just to get an idea of your day-to-day -day, so like obviously the you know as as we're recording uh just yesterday the mood mark ii was announced um and we could dive down the rabbit hole of that, but I feel like there's going to be a lot of um, sort of you and Chase Bliss talking about the features and the process of making it. But I'm curious, just like in the day to day, like you wake up during a day when you're working on the Mood Mark II project, like what, is, uh, what does that look like? How, you know, yeah, it depends on like what stage we were in in the development. Like the last three months has been just uh, a pretty grueling beta process. I feel like just so it's been, you know, a specific task has been given to me. And, you know, I need to solve it. But earlier on where I was having a lot of fun with, it was just like, um, there wasn't really any plan. Like I'd be like, well, maybe I'll try to make the, the tape 
program like more efficient and do more things so I can do even more stuff on the pedal. And like, I would just go down different rabbit holes and there wasn't really any like structure to it. Just what happened happened. And like, it was really a, a good learning process. And I feel like my skills definitely got a lot better because of, you know, that stage of the process. Um, yeah. That I, I love though that, uh, portion of product development. I always think of it as like, there's this beautiful, like might be a few months or it might be just like a surprise week or something like that, depending on the scope of the project. But you get 90% there by just like your, by pure exploration. And like, you might be tightening up your algorithms, figuring out how you can stretch them. Um, and then it's like, you get this sense of like, wow, we're really there. We're really arriving at something and it's, and it's creative and it's moving quickly. And then there's like the grueling many months of the remaining 10% where you're like chasing very specific bugs and doing the deep beta testing and going, well, I, is the range of this correct? It feels like we should be able to push it a little further. Oh, well, I already maxed out the memory using this other thing. So to push that further, we have to, you know. Yeah, yeah. There's been a lot of that lately. And I know I'm wrong about this for a fact, but I just get like, I don't feel like attacked but it just feels like in the beta process, it's just like people are telling you what you're doing wrong for months and months. And it's like, I don't know if you just start to feel terrible. So, <laughs> yeah, I, if, if you're wrong, so am I. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm excited for that to be in the rearview mirror. But yeah, the beginning of this, this pedal was fun because um, I, I just wanted to see if I could make mood in the in that format in stereo and like i took i took like a couple days out of the week i think like three days and i had like a very very preliminary mood up and running on the pedal and i showed it to um someone and like the next thing you know we're like oh yeah this is gonna be our next release and like from then it got real from then on <laughs> it got really real and that was i think when you guys were there actually this past summer yeah yeah. I remember that. Yeah, I I feel like there was I guess for the listener they might not know that like this the the mood is a Chase Bliss pedal that um Old Blood Noise and Drollo were both involved in and um so I was the one that actually like wrote the algorithms for the Old Blood side uh, of Mood Mark 1. And then the Mark II process was interesting because I I essentially handed the algorithms over to Tom and like gave, you know, left the comments in there and just gave a rough overview of what was happening and then just said like, okay, yeah, go ahead and make them better. <laughs> and, then it, and then that was kind of it. It was like, it felt like this sort of runaway thing of like, I don't know, suddenly it was happening. <laughs> how, how was Dan's code documentation? How was, how was his comment? <laughs> Impeccable. No joke. Yeah. Was it really? Yes. I believe it. <laughs> it was shocking. <laughs> Yeah, I was always so bad at that shit. I would never comment oh, anything. Geez. It was like all my all my variables are just X and X1 and X2. And <laughs> the shit. important thing is that you know what it means. But you'll forget yeah. it in one month. Yeah. And that, mm -hmm. yeah. For me, commenting at. commenting is a way of having a conversation with myself outside of the code. So I don't I don't remember what, what I commented oh, on. I would never like, want to do that. I would never want to have be, that conversation with myself. Like you'll look at, you know whatever 
you know, final code version two. Um, and, <laughs> and there will still be a comment in there that will be like, maybe make this 0.5. I don't know. seems to sound better. Like that's how those are, those are how my comments function where it's like, some of them are very like just explaining the code so that I can read it back hopefully later and, and understand it. But and sometimes they're wrong too. Like it'll, <laughs> like it'll say, 0.5 seems to make this sound better, question mark. And you'll notice that the value is actually 0.6. And there's no <laughs> note of like why we changed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's always just an, an added element of conversation with self. I like that. Yeah, yeah my, my, I think my, my coding persona is a lot more chaotic than yours because I'm just like frantically changing numbers. I don't know why. And I just settle on something eventually. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a lot of it. That was a lot of, that was especially like where I was at with mood. Like I, I was a, still a very early like coder in terms of what, what the, the chip we were using could do. I, I think we had done like flat light dweller and excess, I think. So, I mean, I had, I had some experience under my belt, but I was still in that like, oh, let's just change this and see what happens way. Um, or like, I would think I was really clever about something like the way the delay program has those weird artifacts to it was because I was trying to smooth it across the whole range. And what happened was we smoothed it across like quarters or eighths of the range, but then on the edges of those, it would just go like, pew. <laughs> that's <laughs> never the intention, but it just, be, I don't know, it became baked into it. I'm, I'm curious also, I, so I met with both Mood and with Genloss, you were approaching, um, code that was written for the fv1 which is like a particular dsp processor and reinterpreting that code i assume in c i don't know if you guys are using stm32 or like like it doesn't really matter but basically you were working with an existing architecture with its own specialized language and quirks to it and you had to adapt that to something else and i'm curious what that what that process feels like for you um it's kind of fun does it no, suck I like that. you can say it sucks because okay. like uh you, you get like a really deep, intimate understanding of FV1 from working with it for so many years and like all these weird things like the delay buffer specifically, how that works and like how that there are some things that are hard locked into that and you have to be intentional about remembering to code when you make your delay lines in the, the new software. Just, I don't know, weird things like that. Um, and like working with the FV1, you had to be really scrappy and like figure out all these little tricks, like what you were just talking about with the delay, um, not really like the delay having a smooth bend across the time suite. Um, like you had, you had to be scrappy and figure these things out and like figure out alternative ways to do them. And so it's fun to like be able to do it a lot more easily on the, you know, in the C code version of it. But it's pretty, pretty good learning moment to, you know, know about both, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You start, you start to realize the things that have been taken care of for you mm -hmm. in a way, you know, when you have to actually get, you know, it's like there might be guardrails up that feel frustrating at the time, but sometimes they're like bumpers that help you actually hit a pin when you're first bowling. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I feel like yeah, that's, that was my experience with programming in general is like, Oh, there's, like when I was going to school for computer science, I had to make my own linked list one time, but then it's like, all right, after that, there's all these things that help you. You just have to figure out how to use them, the libraries and whatever. So a lot of programming to me, it was about looking up stuff to be like, how little can I do here actually when I need to do this? Thing? Yeah. What can I drop in here? <laughs> yeah. 
And it's funny when you're doing that with pedals, though, because you if you're just like dropping a bunch of libraries, like it gets it gets slow and weird and you don't understand yeah. this particular thing. And you always end up just like, ah, I'll just rewrite it myself. <laughs> well, so these these platforms we're talking about, like FV1 and uh, STM32 or whatever, how, how does the power of those compare to whatever's in the chaos pad? Is it like miles more powerful well, or is it like not? that much or i don't know what's the comparison i would love there? to know. i bet the chaos you know? pad falls somewhere between the two probably skewing closer to the fv1 really this... i was thinking i was thinking maybe it would be so like old enough that it like was really behind or something but i don't know i don't know anything about this i'm realizing this is like exactly the kind of thing that i'm was like, oh yeah, I'll look up things like what chipset a digital pedal uses, and I never actually looked it up. <laughs> I'll be really well researched going into this podcast. <laughs> Chaos Pad chipset, yeah, that's uh, what da, it da, is. Da, da, da. <laughs> and it's probably some old DSP chip that like I'm not going to be familiar like with proprietary because um, I like, yeah. I did notice that I think across the versions, the like audio quality would would move up and things like that. So it was like 16 bit originally and then we go up to 24 bit. Oh. Um, um, but yeah, I don't know. Like I imagine that a company like Korg, especially at that time had to be really scrappy with it. You know, you, you mentioned that it's, it might be something closer to the FV one and it probably is something that's like, yeah, like they're coding it probably in assembly and having to be very particular mm -hmm. with what they do because there's probably not much speed and memory and things like that to work with. I think the the early days of of digital is really fascinating to me like i'm i'm yeah. grateful that i got to jump into it in 2017 or so like i did you know a little bit of coding in high school and college but never really like did anything with it just took classes and then kind of just let it sit until around 2017 it was like oh well, let's check out this fv1 chip maybe we can develop with it and so by that point there's a huge knowledge base out there and there's still a lot of untapped potential but there's also a lot of uh, existing material to learn with. Yeah. So I don't know if that was your experience. I, I can't remember when Cooper, when you, when you started working with the FE one. Um, definitely my experience and what you said, like about like the pioneers of digital audio, it's, it's mind blowing. It's absolutely mind blowing. Like, um, like if you talk about like the digital reverb algorithms that have been, you know, kicking around since the sixties, um, just like these are like Harvard uh, masters or doctorates, like, doing these with like 1960s uh, technology, like making these reverbs and stuff. And I don't know, there's a document I'm specifically thinking of. Um, it's some lecture by Tom Herb. Um, he made, he made some like make noise modules. He's a teacher at some uh, California school, but uh, he has this lecture about like the history of reverb and like has like the Ursa major space station. And like that reverb topology. And then you look at the technology that's in that uh, rack unit. And it's like, we now have convenient little chips that like do everything we need it to do. But this, this thing just had like hundreds of components interacting like in different ways. Um, it's just mind boggling. And I, yeah. I, it's, it's a disservice to, you know, that era of technology to, um, even consider myself on that playing field. It's just shocking. It's incredible. 
Yeah, I'm it is. I, I'll have to look at that lecture because that, that sounds really fascinating. Yeah, I'm seeing that a software version of it was released November of last of year. What? Chaos Path. What, what, what's the point yeah. of that, though? Interesting. That's what I was just thinking. Yeah. Like, what? There's, is there i feel like weird (laughs) i'm picturing now somebody using their chaos pad just as a midi controller for this well and then they're like like, bluetooth connect my ipad to it and it's like (laughs) yeah i guess maybe i don't know yeah i guess i could see like a touch screen for a touch screen enabled device like an ipad or you know a tablet like having a chaos pad uh app essentially could be interesting but uh, but i don't know plug in feels like something's missing in there it's like i want us i want that like "Eh, yeah You know, Matt Bellamy. The thing is, you you need the membrane on top, or it doesn't. It's all about the the membrane. Kids these days don't get how hard it was to put down. They don't know about the membrane. (laughs) I'm curious. I'm curious, Tom, if you have any memories of like uh, similar to where does the wire come from uh, when you were first getting into like the digital side of things? Do you remember any like early? early stepping stones or early resources of like, how, how do I do this? How do I get code to happen on a phone? Uh, you're saying there's 44,000 samples in this 44.1,000? It's a sample. Sorry. You know, I guess. What's a, yeah, what's a sample? Yeah. yeah. Um, gosh. I mean, I just remember looking at like the, you know, the provided source code of FB1 example programs and stuff and being like, oh yeah, I'll never figure this out. And then closing my laptop. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be one of those make or break moments where you're like, I, I, I either go down this rabbit hole or I just eject right here. Like, yeah, I think I'd be. I would never. Probably. I think I got my first development board in like 2012 for the FB1, and I, I remember it was like a reverb algorithm, and I remember figuring out how to like tie a pot to uh, modulation rate and depth. And I was like, yep, call it a day there. And I, I don't think I touched it for like two or three years after that, um, just because it was so intimidating. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, other electronics things that I remember saying, I remember like asking my dad if he had a soldering iron. Um, just, Dude, that <laughs> word, I hate that word, man. I, in my head, I'm like a solder, but I can't say that. That's what it says in front of me. <laughs> But there's a T in there, I guess. Jesus, I, that <laughs> throws me it's, every it's, time. I have to say solder, solder. Um, Jesus, I hate it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very green, very green in those days. Um, I feel like I was a little older when I got to the uh, digital was... side of things, so I wasn't as clueless. But it was very intimidating. You're you're also a little more willing to like go through the difficult stuff, you know, like. Sometimes when you're younger, you're like, this looks hard, so I'm going to skip it. Uh, yeah. And then sometimes you, you reach a point as you get older, it's like, this looks hard, but if I just ugh, just take it step by step and one, yeah. <laughs> one little piece at a time, I can get there. <laughs> I weirdly think my younger self was more willing to do harder stuff or what at the time seemed like harder stuff. And then as the harder stuff gets harder, you're like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> and once you've learned enough hard things, you're like, maybe I can just kind of keep doing those things since I know how to do those now and just kind of stop continually having to learn hard things. Yeah, yeah maybe I'm thinking of the uncanny valley of like when you're a teenager, just everything seems possible. You just keep trying oh. stuff and you have all these levels of success with it. And it's like everything 
there's nothing you don't want to try. And then it's like in your twenties, you're, you're kind of like, well, I've got, I don't know. I, that seems hard. I'm just not going to bother with that. And then in your thirties, you're like, all right, well I can, maybe I can approach this with a, <laughs> with a maturity and an, an acknowledgement that I don't have the youthful exuberance, but maybe I have the, uh, calm collected wisdom to mm-hmm. approach this slowly. <laughs> and there's yeah. a little more urgency. Yep. That you're like, I have to survive and this is all I know how to do. So I've got to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Man, isn't yeah, that, that weird is... when you get to the point in your life where you're like, I guess this is what I'm doing, huh? I got on. <laughs> I can't really do anything else. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what do you specialize in? Well, well uh, software for embedded systems. What I mean to say is guitar pedals, because I can't do the more complicated love, stuff of embedded well, systems. And then my, that's <laughs> so sunk. <laughs> one of my favorite things about this industry in general is how how close it is to such cool things, but how it's really not cool itself. So like, like every time we like we're in a group or we're going somewhere for Nam or whatever, like multiple times people have been like, oh, are you guys in a band? And then we have to be like, no, like we have to say, and then anything we say after that, it's like, they don't give a shit. Like, oh, you're a pedal. You make electronics. Like who cares? Who cares? Like it doesn't, but we get to sort of be next to those people. I don't know. Very funny. <laughs> Are you in a band? Well, let's just say we are a group of like-minded people with a creative pursuit. Like oh, what do you create? With, uh, well, we do. It's what? like a manufacturing service sort of with it's specialized uh, audio manipulation devices. So you know guitars, right? They're like, yeah. You know pedals? Uh, you, know, you know the floor? Have you ever heard of the floor? You put, you put these on the floor and you step on them. Like, oh, okay. They don't care. They don't care. I'm having this moment. We finally really just reached a conversational point where it's just like, it just feels like slow and nice and we're all just chatting, talking. And it's like, yeah, this is, this is the nerd, the nerd stuff we get into. And I sort of just remembered we're on a podcast and I yeah, was we like, are. are people interested in this? What it, listeners, are you, are you really, you mean to tell me? Send us a You're call listening us at 505 633 and let us know what the hell, why are you listening to this or what, what are you doing? I don't know. What are you eating? What'd you eat for breakfast? Let us know. Hit us up on the hog line. Oh, oh, hit us up on. There's got to be a better <laughs> phrase like hit the hog. Hit the hog line. Uh, Suey. Line them up Get to at us the at hog the hog line. line. I don't know. <laughs> uh, feral hog. What's the what was the fer- thirty to fifty feral hogs? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> feral hog line. I don't know. I love that I get to see all this oh, being man, in I... the in development. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're yeah, still you, figuring it out. <laughs> here's here's probably the best time to say thank you for being with us today. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Episode one. It's been a really nice conversation. I appreciate you you joining us for the, the maiden voyage of, of object worship. Whatever it should be. It was be. very fun. Yeah. Love dwelling in the past and getting reminiscent and yeah. sad about not being anymore. But <laughs> It was a good conversation. I enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. I, I think yeah. Dan, was there, was Dan there mentioned. Else? Oh, I was just gonna say you met. You've mentioned previously how we sh- we want these to be like, kind of like the conversations we have at the at the events and stuff. And seems, yeah, we, we it, got there. I feel like. Yeah, this is it. We're we're just kind of sitting on a couch after a very long day at a trade show, like yeah. just sipping sipping a beer and being like, Ooh, you guys crazy, remember the huh? chaos pad? <laughs> yeah. Bro, yes. <laughs> I think it's only right that I Sweet. find some way to bring a chaos pad to, to uh, you know, this thing in April. 
of Isha. Please do. Yes. Yeah. Mood two and Chaos Pad two. Come on. <laughs> all, all the Mark twos. <laughs> all the Mark twos. Yeah. Well, Tom, I guess now I'm just gonna kind of hand it off to you to talk about any like point people toward um, where to where to find your stuff, where to get Chase Bliss things, or just any. Basically, I'm gonna give you the floor. Um, anything you want to talk about, you just uh, just where's just give the me a best place to see? <laughs> yeah, that's the plug thing. Good job, producer <laughs> Seth. Um, where's the best place to see pictures of your dog too? Um, hmm. I guess my now defunct Instagram page would probably be pretty good. Um, I bet there's some things back there. I should I should find a way to. No, we want current Cooper pictures. Well, I mean, I'll make a. I'll make a why are you withholding them from the public? Don't do that. Well, no then I'm open there. to suggestions. Let me know. <laughs> well, I actually don't have any good suggestions for a social media network to go. Like, oh, get on Twitter. No, I don't. Don't get on anywhere, actually. <laughs> no, I, but what's the real? Okay, answer the answer the question for me. Uh, the, where do you want people to I go? Think, yeah, to stay up to date with everything I'm doing, I would say follow Chase Bliss uh, on every platform, I think. Um, yeah. It's real. I think. Chase yeah. Bliss. Wow. Chase Bliss. Chase Bliss Audio. How is Cooper he's doing? Good. He's good. Right now? He's, uh, he's good. He's sleeping right now. But he just had a, I don't know, I bet we Classic recorded a Cooper, Cooper. bark. A delivery person just dropped off some packages and riled Cooper from his nap. (laughs) I'm just remembering now that uh, it took me a long time to remember that your name wasn't Tom Cooper. Like, no matter how much I knew (laughs) that Cooper was the name of of your dog and that was the the name of the company was because the dog, you know, the one in the logo. The amount of times that in my head I was like, yeah, Tom Cooper. (laughs) Tom Cooper. (laughs) I forgot that until this very moment. (laughs) My middle name. (laughs) Just gonna start calling you Coop. Oh well, whatever. Well, thank you again for for joining us today. And um, oh wait, last thing, give our love to Coop. Give him some scratches. I've got. I I I asked Chat GPT to write me a tweet from a cranky teenage Brian Eno, and here's what it says: Uh, uh, Why does everything have to be so mainstream? I'll stick to my obscure experimental music. Thank you very much. Hashtag cranky teen. Hashtag experimental. Hashtag nonconformist. <laughs> so that's, there you go. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Why does it really have to be so mainstream? Uh, Brian Eno's saying this. He's like, ugh. Uh, I need that. Uh. Well, thank right. you again, and uh, Brian Eno, if you ever want to be on the podcast, Shout, hey, come out. on the sh- come on the pod, hit us up on the hog line, Brian. We'll 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 read your message. We'll hear it. It'll be fine. All right, thanks everybody for listening. This has been Object Worship. Object Worship is a production of the OBNE Podcast Network, hosted by Dan Piacek, co-hosted by Andy Othling, technical yeah. direction by Seth McCarroll. The Object Worship theme song was written and produced by Andy Othling. Music supervision, also by Andy Othling. Thank you to our guest, Tom Majeski. All views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the hosts, co-hosts, and guests, and do not necessarily reflect the views and positions of OB&E. All rights reserved. Yeah. 2020. Worldwide. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah. Perfect. And then it fades out.